Tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou, uh, ki te whare atu nei, tēnā koe. Uh, tēnei te mihi runga e kaupapa tarā, ko, ko City Church. I honour you, Pastor Al and, and Pastor Eleanor, who of course who's not here. And I really appreciate the opportunity and the privilege it is to, uh, for me and Akosita to be here this evening. Um, take a seat. Sorry. Take a seat. Uh, that's exactly how it happened. Just as Pastor Al said, just boom, I'm sitting at the back, all you guys who, who, who kind of come into church and kind of sneak in last and sneak out first, beware, that's what I used to do. And, and for husbands who used to sit in the car and look in the rearview mirror waiting for their wife to make their way through the crowd and kind of looking at their, their watch and, you know, thinking about lunch, beware, that's what I used to do. And, and before you know it, you're here preaching at City Church. Tauranga. All right. Um, but uh, just a little bit quickly about us, about, about ourselves and our family. Um, I'm Samon, so talofa lava. Olo siivi mumuri vi ile tua. Lene yaso long ano lofa malong ang lelei. Fatalofa tuai mamalo pa ia. Lene yaso. I just want to, uh, in my my mother tongue, I'm Samon. Sita is Tongan. This is a real life Tongan princess. Yeah, and she belongs to me. She's all mine. She's my traveling fan club of one. And uh, we have three beautiful children. Uh, we have Jeremiah, uh, he's 11, and uh, we have uh, Amir, she's 16. We have Dana, who is 26, and, uh, and they're down in Taranaki at the moment. Um, our eldest is, is, uh, is good. We've got her in town at the moment. She's a, she's a doctor currently at the base hospital, and she's looking after our two ones while we're up here. But we lose her next year. And she's applied for a couple of hospitals, and Tauranga is one of those hospitals she's applied for. Um, and so I said, look, man, as soon as you, as soon as you get and know where you're going, you know, make sure you hit up Alan and Eleanor and, uh, and see what's happening in C3. So again, we're absolutely privileged to be here. What's your name? I'll just get in the introductions over quickly so we can just build this rapport. I'm Alec. What's your name? Some lovely to meet you. Yeah, I did meet Lee on the outside there and he did have a twinkle in his eye. Um, it wasn't a twinkle of mine. I was just actually checking out my reflection in his eyes. And, uh, uh, but no, it's uh, so lovely to be here. Uh, thank you for the welcome. Thank you for uh, having us here. Um, I'm just here to encourage you this, this, this evening. Uh, that's all I can do. I just can, I'm just a simple man, a simple Samoan, just pointing people to Jesus. Uh, and that's kind of what keeps our faith uh, going and our, and our ministry going. Uh, is just remembering the weight doesn't belong to us. Yeah, that this is God's church, and you are God's people, and I'm okay with that. And I'm not in the business of changing hearts. I leave that to the Holy Spirit. I'm just, just let, the, let the message come, and you can take it or receive it. I have no problem if you just leave it where it is. That's, that's between you and the Lord. I'll preach it, and as uh, Joy taught, uh, was teaching Sita uh, yesterday in a, in a great prophetic meeting yesterday, you just, just preach the work, and then you just, just park it. Just park it and leave it and, and, and let the Holy Spirit do its work. So all the pressure is off me to preach uh, this evening too, but I will bring a word and, and I'll bring a simple verse uh, uh, this evening because just to prove firstly that we do read the Bible on the West Coast over there, it is fantastic to be here in Tauranga, Tauranga which is, you know, as we all know, is the, the, the city with the, the second most sunshine hours uh, in, in, in New Zealand. Um, but I want to... Uh, yeah, I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage our young people uh, this, this evening. I see a lot of our young people here, and I, and I miss my girl. She's 16, and, and my young boy, and I miss them. We're only away for like five, five nights, I think, but 
we just, just miss it. We're a noisy family. So when I see the noise and I see the young people, I miss them. So if young people, if I, if I just all of a sudden start randomly yelling at you just angrily, it's just because I miss my daughter. Okay? <laughs> I just miss my daughter. Um, but God has a word for you. No matter what age you are this evening, this, this word is for you. Okay, so you didn't just bring your, your child along uh, to just make sure that they get some goodness in them. This word is for you as well. Um, and so I encourage, I encourage you to lean in. I'm still working on my encouragement. Uh, as a dad, I, I, uh, I took my son to his uh, rugby game last weekend. And um, I thought I was a great encourager. And then I watched him uh, kind of dilly-dally around on the, on the field, not doing much, not really engaged. And so I, I took it upon myself at halftime to kind of beeline for him before he got to the coach. Um, some of your fathers will be relating to this. And I pulled him over and I said, son, if you do not put your heart and your head into the game, I will come onto the field and I will drag you off myself. And he's looking up at me, and you know I'm looking at him, and then I look up, and there's some parents who kind of, kind of quickly look away and pretend they didn't see what I was doing, and, and my poor wife's looking at me, going, oh, don't, don't do this. And so I just look at my son, and I said, oh, but, but God bless you, son. Go get some oranges. So that's the kind of encouragement I'm going to bring you this evening. All right, I'm kind of just going to say, hey, look, if you're not going to be all sold in for Jesus, sold out for Jesus. If you're not going to put your heart and your head into it, then just, just come off the field. But remember, God bless you and go get some oranges. All right. So don't be offended this, this evening. I love you. Uh, this is uh, a word that uh, God has put on my heart for you. And I want you to turn with me to Proverbs 25 and just reading verse 2. And it reads this, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. God, we believe your word is powerful, it's true, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. So, Father, cut us this evening in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that your word is already anointed, but just anoint my lips to preach it and anoint the hearts to receive it. And as we do that, may you be glorified, may your church be edified, and may Satan be terrified in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Proverbs 25, 2, it says, The glory of God is to conceal things, but the glory of kings... To search things out. Now, the, the word glory here, uh, in, in this sense, is not our typical use of the, uh, of the word glory that we're accustomed to, the Shekinah glory or the presence of God. In this context, glory is referring to the nature of God. And so the same glory is, is, is referencing, again, in the, the following sentence, is also referring to the nature of kings. So if we reread that again, it says, It is the nature of God to conceal things. And it's the nature of kings to search them out. This proverb was written by Solomon, King Solomon. Uh, and it's one of those, those scriptures that have only a few words, but has a lot to say. And you, do you know people like that in your life? They're really cool. Right? They don't say much, but when they say something, it just means a lot more to those people, more than those people who just kind of like this, like me, all the time. You have to pick something out that's good. I love these verses because they're packed, but they're simple. And it's simple for me because I'm a simple Simon, so it appeals to my nature. And it says, it is in the nature of God to conceal things and the nature of kings to search things out. Now, anything that you read in the Bible that calls to the nature of God should prick your ears up. Because it's telling you, like, so you're about to learn, to, about to tell you something about the nature of God. Why is it important for us to understand the nature of God? Because when we understand the nature of God then we understand more of who we are in Him. 
So the more we understand of who God is, the more we get to understand who we are. And so every time I hear something that just speaks to the nature of God, I lean in. I'm going to ask you to lean in and listen to what God is revealing about his nature. So who are the kings? We know that God conceals, but who are the kings that Solomon is referring to? Did anyone get an invite to the king's birthday last weekend? I didn't get one. It's kind of weird kind of saying the king's birthday weekend. It's kind of weird. It's not even his real birthday, I don't think. But anyway, we're not talking about earthly kings. We're not talking about King Charles. We're not talking about the king of Tonga. We're not talking about an earthly king. And although Solomon is penning this verse from his own throne, he's not talking about earthly king. Who is he talking about? He's talking about you and he's talking about I. He says, you are kings. We read that in Revelations chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be all the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So you are kings. Turn to the person next to you and say you are royalty, you are a king. Your majesty. Now, wives may struggle when they look at their husband and say, because you probably had to drag your king out of bed to get here this evening. But you are kings. And I mean that. And even ladies, you are kings. And be okay with that. Because if us guys are are okay to be called the bride of Christ, then you can be kings. So I've got a lot more to say, but I feel some of you, just need to hear that and be reminded of who you are. You are royalty. You are priests. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are lenders to nations, not borrowers. You are above. You are not beneath. You have been made joint heirs with Christ. There are too many Christians today who are living beneath their means. And I'm not talking about financially because actually you're supposed to live within your means and beneath your means. I'm talking about you as a Christian. Too many Christians today are living beneath their value. You know you have more authority than you know. But you're walking through life settling for far less than what God has destined you for. You have more, way more, because of Jesus, you have way more authority than any CEO on the face of this earth. But you say, no, I'm on the bottom of the food chain. I'm I'm down here on the low. And and we kind of get that kind of attitude that, you know, I'm I'm not going to be anyone big. But God says, no, you aren't. You're seated on high with Jesus. Because of his authority, he's placed you above and not beneath. You are made kings and priests. And until you begin to understand that, receive that, more importantly, walk in that. Then you're going to go through life certainly for far less than what God has destined you for. Those familiar with the, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 speaks of the armor of God. Those who have grown up in, in, in Sunday school, we've heard the, the story and, the, and the, the call that Paul says to, to adorn the armor of God. Talked about putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the feet fitted with the readiness, which is the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. However, I believe that there are too many spiritual streakers in the kingdom of God, where all they have on is the helmet of salvation. 
and nothing else. You don't witness the gospel. You don't heal the sick. You don't pray for the lost. You don't cast out demons. You don't feed the poor. You don't care for the widows. You don't go into battle with the church. You're like, no, you know what? I got my helmet of salvation and I'm good. It's gone really quiet in here. You know, I used to live beneath my means for, for, and my value for a long time as a Christian. I remember driving home one day and, 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 and everything was going well. I had a great job and, and, and the wife was, was happy. We were happy. She was happy at the time and the, the kids were doing well. And we were in ministry. We were in serving and leadership. But I remember coming, driving home one day and I remember just feeling the sense of just come over me and overwhelm me. And it just was a sense of lostness. I just kind of felt, Lord, is this all there is for me? And I said, but Lord, I'm, I'm content. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And if this is all I'm called to, Father, then I'll do it with all my all. But I kind of, Father, I just kind of feel that you've called me for something higher than what I'm doing. And, you know, about a week later, we end up coming down to New Plymouth. Uh, has anyone been to New Plymouth? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, half of you put your hand down because you're probably thinking of Palmerston North. <laughs> but anyway, we went, down to, we went down to New Plymouth to meet my sister, uh, to visit my sister for a weekend. And we were, uh, my sister's always been begging on about us. We need to move to New Plymouth, move to New Plymouth. We're like, what's in New Plymouth? Why would we come to New Plymouth? We're Aucklanders, typical Aucklanders. We don't go anywhere. We stay here. So anyway, we're in the back of the car, and we're driving, and all I remember is feeling God speak directly into my heart, and my, my sister's driving, and, and Cedar's in the passenger seat, and God says, you must sell up everything, stop what you're doing, and move to New Plymouth, and I said, but how? Now, I thought I'd said it in my mind, but Cedar up front turns around and says, but how what? I said, but how do, we, how do we just stop what we're doing? How do we just drop what we're doing and come to New Plymouth? And Cedar's like, praise the Lord. I've been praying for that for about a month now. You know how wives just secretly pray for stuff? They never tell the husbands until it's like too late. <laughs> so anyway, I knew it was God. It's one of the few times that I've heard his spirit. I've really felt a strong sense of that. So strong that that was a Saturday. The very next day on a Sunday, we went looking for houses. We came across a house. We couldn't afford it, so Cedar wanted it. And so we put in an offer. We thought it was a bit ridiculous, but we thought, hey, God, you move. We went back to Auckland that day in the Monday, and we told our family we're moving to New Plymouth. Same question that everyone answers when you say you're moving to New Plymouth. What's in New Plymouth? We just knew God had caught us there. So we put in an offer for the house on that Sunday, got accepted on a Wednesday. I handed in my resignation on a Friday. And within a month, we were standing in New Plymouth going, okay, Lord, Speak to us. What have you called us here for? Now, remember, we had been in ministry for about 20 plus years, various ministries. So I thought that God was sending us, bringing us to New Plymouth to retire us. Well done, good and faithful servants. Go and take some golf lessons. So we thought we were there to, to, to retire. And about three months later, we ran out of money. We figured out that uh, retirement's really expensive. And we still had two kids to feed. And then just like Pastor Al said, boom, things dropped on on our doorstep that we just had no idea was going to happen. 
had we known, we have never answered that call to come down to New Plymouth. But praise God, we're here today. And God has stretched us and grown us. And we've walked in what we believe now is the authority that God has called us to walk in and assume the identity that he's called us to assume as a child of God. And my encouragement to your young people and to our old people and to our middle-aged people and just to everyone here this evening, understand who you are first. Because so many of us want to rush off and do what Jesus did. But we don't even know who we are here in him. And how do we get to know Jesus? Just be with him. Walk with him. Give him your whole heart. And that's what we're going to move on to right now. But remember who you are. You're a royal priesthood. First Peter 2.9, you're a, a chosen people. You're a holy nation. Kids, you need to understand this. Identity is, is what is destroying or lack of identity and purpose is what's destroying our society today. And that's why we have 150 options you can choose from. But there's only one. You're a child of God. You're a princess. You're a queen. You're a king. Walk in the authority and watch God start to reveal all that he has installed for you. Amen. But why does God conceal things? Let's move on. Why does God conceal things? Remember that he, God is speaking to Solomon. He's a king. So he's speaking to Solomon in kingdom language. He's saying, I'll reveal to kings. And Solomon understands this because even in times of war, kings would conceal their plans in times of war. And opposing kingdoms and kings would seek those out. So he's speaking to Solomon in terms that he understands. So that's why God conceals. Why? Because he's, he wants us to seek out his plans for us and for our lives. So it's in God's nature to conceal and it's in our nature and must be in our nature to ask and seek out, to reveal. But so why doesn't God just tell us? It's not a lot easier if he just tells me what his will is for me. Tell me, tell me what your purpose, God, we're moving. Even though God is, he's everywhere. He knows everything. He's everywhere at one time. And though he makes things known in part sometimes, his true desire is that we seek him out. Why? Because it's in the seeking that faith is developed. And what is faith? We know from Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is a conviction of things not yet seen, things that God has concealed and that only can be revealed when we search him out. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know it. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Note the word, I know the plans that I have for you. They're good. They're for a hope and for a future. And we stop there, we think, great, okay, hope and future. But God wants to reveal those plans to you. He knows they're good. We know they're good because he's goodness. But if we read on Jeremiah 29, we often stop at 29, 11. But two verses along, what does it say? 29, 13. But when you seek me, and you seek me with all of your heart, the promise is you will find me. I will reveal my plans to you. And I love that verse because not only does it tell you what to do to seek him, it tells you how to seek him with all of your heart. 
Now, there's a warning in Matthew about the heart. But God is after it. We know that. We've heard it so many times. God is not after your money. He's not after your success. He's not after your career. He's not after your children, unless they're a good drummer. Too early. He's not, God's not even after your good works. God is simply after your heart and all of it. But we need to be careful. There's a warning about the heart. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for either he hates the one and loves the other or he will devote himself to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve money. Now, money just represents anything that seeks to, to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Seeks to knock, seeks to knock God off his throne. Money represents an idol. I heard a story about the late evangelist Billy Graham. He was preaching to tens of thousands of people in Japan. And when it came, at the time came for, for Billy Graham, he, he asked via the translator, if anyone here wants to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior, raise your hand. And he looked throughout the whole auditorium. Every single hand went up. And though that looked amazing for any evangelist, Billy Graham was like, that's just not, that's just not realistic. That doesn't happen. That's strange. So he, he thought perhaps the translator mistranslated what I had said. So he checked with the translator, and the translator says, yes, um, Dr. Graham, that's, that's what I said. I translated. And he goes, oh, okay. But then he said, the translator said to Billy Graham, he says, um, you must understand that in Japanese culture, that there are many gods, and many people have many gods. And so when you ask them, do you want to receive Jesus as their God, they're happy to take on Jesus because they just add him to the list of their gods. And so Billy Graham, with this information, he went back to the pulpit and says, let me, let me, let me call that again. If there is anyone here who would like to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and renounce every other God that they have, and just have Jesus raise your hand. And far fewer hands went up. Now that's a great story. But I, I wonder if I was to ask that same question in church. And I'm not saying that we, we worship Buddha. But idols. I mean that career looks pretty good. I mean do you really need to be working that many hours? Perhaps work has become an idol. Do you really need to be to, to seeking to earn that six-figure salary in order to work in ministry, to activate a ministry? Perhaps money has become an idol. And this one's a little bit sensitive, and I'll be careful when I say this, but sometimes even children or your spouse can become an idol in our lives because they tend to start to influence or you allow them to influence your decisions above God's influence in your life. And my notes I've got here, if it goes quiet, just move along really quickly. <laughs> you see, an idol is simply something or someone that you treasure more than God himself. And you may ask, well, isn't there room for all those good things? And if there was, why is God asking for all your heart? Not just the top 10%. God wants your whole heart. Because you, when you seek him with your whole heart, he'll reveal his plans to you. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, wake them up first. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, it's none of your business. 
And, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to come across and, and, and that be rude, but for you, if you're seeking God's plans, when you're seeking God without a, a full heart, without your whole heart, and you still got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, then God's business is none of your business. And I mean that in the sense that when you, God will not reveal his business or his plans for you because your heart has not got the capacity to understand that revelation. It's just information. God needs the capacity, the wholeness of your heart for anything to make sense in your life from him. God wants your whole heart. Many times Jesus would be preaching to crowds, mostly Jewish people, but then there would be Gentiles around the fringes and teaching something through a parable, and it would leave people often perplexed. But rather than Jesus going around to each and every person that was listening, trying to, to explain what he was talking about, he would often just take the 12 disciples away with him and go to a quiet place, and he'd sit there, and then he would reveal to them what he was talking about or the meaning of the teaching. And the reason Jesus did that, because his disciples had the capacity in their heart to receive revelation, where the crowd was simply receiving information because their hearts weren't fully towards him. And so my challenge for us this evening, young and old, is that we don't just have a Christian walk with Jesus where our lips and our actions are towards him, but our hearts are far from him. And we need to be a race, a royal priesthood who know who we are, who are uncompromising in what we do. I love Jesus' way. I love his teaching. He's an amazing teacher, best teacher that ever lived, better than your favorite teacher at school. His ways were countercultural. And the way and the Christian movement grew so much, it, it just exploded. And people were drawn to the ways of Jesus, not because he was relevant to the current culture, not that he would compromise and allow things in and out. No, for the complete opposite. He just lived an uncompromising walk. Doing the will of his father, countercultural to what the world would do. His heart was fully towards the will of his father. And I would just love that for our next generation. I look upon my generation and I look upon my daughter and my son. And often I, I get a little bit of a, a pang of fear saying, God, man, have they been born into darkness, a dark time. You know, a time where I think, man, if I was that age... And this time, I don't know how we'd be able to, to get through what some of our young people are facing at school, through social settings, social media, and all those sorts of things. But then God just reminds me, you were born for this generation. You were born for this time. You weren't born for 1976, 1980s. We were great 80s kids and 90s kids. But you were made for this time. You were made for this culture. We can't do what God is going to call you to do right now. He's calling you into dark places. And we're just here to hold the rope and lower you down. And hopefully when we pull that rope, you're still holding on to the other end. 
But I see great places and great change coming through an eagle generation of young people with an uncompromising identity and understanding of who they are in Jesus. In Jesus. God has a great purpose. I'm excited. I'm excited when I see these young people. You know, I walked in here and it's been a long day for me. And I don't mean to make this about me because there's only one hero in the story and it's Jesus. But I came in here this, this evening and I was just feeling a little bit fatigued. And that young lady who was standing here and, and she was singing her heart out. And the words weren't even up there. But this joy, right? The joy was just fueling her. And I just went, man, give me some of that joy, Lord. And I know the joy of the Lord is, is her strength, but the joy of her, Lord, became my strength. That's an influence from a younger person. And it's this influence from a, from a world that looked down upon you. But you see the influence, see the impact you have when you shine for Jesus. You just don't know what you can do. You're only tapping in to a little bit of what God has for you. But young people, you need to seek him out. You need to seek him diligently. You can't have your foot in the, in the world and then your foot in church and, and foot in the kingdom of God. You've got to be uncompromising in your faith for Jesus. You know, too many people, and we've learned this as, as older Christians growing up, is, is too many Christians that they, they want to reap in the spirit, but they sow in the flesh. And so, and so we, we, want to, we, we expect to reap in the spirit. We've got to sow in the spirit. And so be young people who sow into your spirit. Allow God to sow truth in life and, and speak the word of God and ministry into your life. Let prophetic words come over you and receive those with joy and gladness. And just watch when God does it, when he takes a hold of you. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited for this church. I, I, we spent a bit of time with, uh, with, um, with Pastor Tess and, and Tamadi as well down at Tikainga and, and just... There's are hearts that are hungry in our young people. And they were away on camp, but I could just feel what God was doing in their lives. And people, we just got to get behind our young people. And we've got to be uncompromising in the way we parent, and the way we guide them, and the way we raise them up in the ways of Jesus. And just let them go. Let them fly. And they'll lead the way. We don't know what we're doing in this time and age. Just let them do it. Amen. But let's be, let's be people who are about giving God our, our full attention, our full heart when we're seeking him. I've called this message, keep your seek on. That's not even good English, but I went to, I went to West Auckland School, Massey High School. So, um, Sorry, baby, you went to the same school as well. as them. But keep your seek on. Don't just, don't just seek God. Don't just look for God. There's a special way you need to look for him. You know, and there's a way that I look for things, and there's a way I should look for things. Wives know this, right? I say, honey, have you seen my, my black T-shirt? She's like, honey, they're all black. Have you looked properly? And I'm like, I'm looking. But really, I'm just standing in the middle of the room going like this, and, and I'm looking around. And, and she comes in, and I, I, I swear she's, it's another gift of the Spirit that she can just she can look in the very same place, and it just, it's just there. It just magically appears. I don't know if it's witchcraft, and pray against that, and Jesus. But she shifts things out of the way. You've got to seek. You've got to shift things out of the way. When you hide and seek, go hide and seek, play hide and seek. You don't just go walk around and you just look and you, you move things. You open things. Things that are in the way you need to shift. When there are things in your heart, then you need to shift out of your heart for you to see God and see Him move. And we're going to pray this evening. We're going to pray this evening. I want to pray of our young people. I want to pray for anyone who really wants to seek 
the Lord with their whole heart. And you know who your heart, you know what your heart's things have crept in to your heart, things that even unknowingly have become an idol. And God wants to reveal so much more to you. He wants to reveal his plan, his will for you. He's got details. He's got blueprints. He's got a grand design. And yes, they're good, but don't just settle for just knowing that they're good. Get the detail from God. He wants to give you a download. But God, we've got to pour out our hearts, man. We've got it. We, we need an EC. We need a spiritual ECG. Those over 50 will know what an ECG is. Checks your heart. Checks the rhythm. Make sure nothing's in there that shouldn't be in there. Let's do a heart check. Say, God, would you just come in and do some surgery tonight? Would you start to uproot, identify things that have become perhaps something I've put in there that's just lifted itself above you and my heart? And Father, I know you have so much more for me. And I know you want to reveal so much more for me. But God, I know I need to lay everything down now. Empty my heart. Give me a capacity to not just no longer just receive information. Father, I want to receive revelation. I want to know the plans that you have for my life. I want to be able to walk in those plans. Walk in the good plans that you have for my life. Stand with me, church. Tonight, you're just going to do some business with the Lord. And I'll just open up the altar and I'll get out of the way, but I'd love to pray for you. I'll ask you, I'll I'll ask you, would you like me to pray for you? And if you say, nah, Pastor Al, I'm all good. I'm just here to do business with God. I'll get out of the way and that's fine. But I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray. If there's anything that you need to lay down, if there's anything you've been compromising with, let's call it out. If there's any sin in your life, any desires that have, that overtaken the desires that God has for your life. You see, we think that when we come to Jesus, all those fleshly desires disappear. Well, that's bad theology. The Bible says we need to keep working our salvation out. Not not a works-based faith, but just walking out our faith, working our faith out. Don't just talk about a big faith game at school, that you're a Christian, You wear a necklace. Show us your faith. Show us the faith by how you walk. Show them your faith by how you talk. Show them your faith by how you walk away when people are gossiping about other people. And they think, well, that was different. Someone pulls out something that they're doing and and you walk away. and And you refuse to do or engage or compromise what you know is right and wrong. Not because mom and dad told you it's right and wrong. Because you have the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you. He speaks to you. You're an eagle generation. You're going to do amazing things, things that I could never do. I feel, I kind of feel fear and kind of anxiety, but I I feel excitement for the army that has been sent in to reach the lost, to bring hope to this world. So, Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you, God, that in it, as we learn of your nature, Father, as we learn more of you, understanding you, we understand who we are in you. 
because we know who we are in you, Father, what we are called to do. Father, search our hearts. For those right now, just pour out your heart to him. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, to search it out, to shine light on things that need to be exposed and dealt with, things that need to be confessed and repented of. Leave it at the foot of the cross this evening. And when you do that, believe that God will now begin to reveal His good plans for your life. Seek Him diligently. Seek Him in your prayer time, as you read His Word, as you gather in fellowship, as you gather in your youth, as you go to Connect Group. Seek God with your whole heart. He's only after your heart. He's only after your heart. Father, I pray for hearts directed to you. Father, forgive us for those things which have unknowingly or knowingly placed themselves above you. We ask that you take them. We lay them down. We ask that you fill us now with identity, with our acceptance, our significance, purpose, and your will in Jesus' name. If that's you, I'd love for you to pray. I would love to pray for you. You come forward and I'll pray for you right now. If there's anyone here, you've been away from the Lord, or you've heard the message of the gospel, you've never made a commitment to be sold sold out for Jesus. then I'll invite you to come forward and I'd love to pray with you. And you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now. You can say, Father, take my heart. Make me new. Give me purpose. And give me identity. If that's you, why don't you come and I'll pray with you as well. I'll give you a couple of minutes. Don't wait for a a climax in the song or to get even more romantic with the music. You just come forward now. And I'll pray. Thank you, Lord.